0: with me to Revelation 13. We'll be looking into God's word next week surrounding the prophecies and the pointing toward the cross, or excuse me, the manger, as Christ comes to earth. We're studying Revelation 13, which when we studied the book of Daniel, I explained that Daniel 7 is kind of the grand central station of prophecy in the Old Testament. Revelation 13, in a way, is grand central station of prophecy in the book of Revelation and in the New Testament. When we think of, and we the songs that we just sang about the birth of Christ, the spiritual warfare that was happening on earth um, surrounding... Bethlehem and the birth of Christ. There's similarities to 2022, to the day that Christ was born in a manger in that not much of the world is really thinking about the person in that manger in 2022. In Jerusalem, it had been 600 years since they had a king, not looking for one. Um... For the past 300 years in Jerusalem, especially the last 150 years, Jerusalem and the Jews and Israel are now being governed by priests. So the Hasmonean line from Judas Maccabee is now the the Sanhedrin, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees are actually the government officials of Jerusalem, not looking for a king, don't need a king don't really want a king and it's not surprising then that from 785 miles away people from the lineage of Daniel come to Jerusalem saying where's the king and the the Jews are effectively saying what are you talking about who are you talking about and there's tension surrounding that and then we read We saw in Revelation 11 the point in which Christ is born and it says that Satan was there waiting to catch the baby as he was born in that manger. And we read Matthew and we see Herod um, hearing about this king of the Jews being born. Where is he that I might meet him? And his intent is to kill him and when he can't find him, He thinks about the time that the Magi said that they first saw the star rise out of Jacob and he kills every baby in Bethlehem that age and younger. And there's tension in his birth. He has to escape from there to Egypt because Herod is going to hunt him until he finds him and he's going to kill him. And the tension when we go back to Daniel's captivity who gives us all of prophecy from 605 B.C. to Christ coming at the end of the tribulation in precise manner and dates that can be checked out and found to be accurate at every point, talks about um, in Daniel, um, the time of Jacob's trouble, in the book of Jeremiah, this great and dreadful day of the Lord in Joel and in Malachi and in Zephaniah and Zechariah, pointing to this pinnacle of evil on earth, starting at the midpoint of a seven year period. And we come into this parenthetical passage between Revelation 9 and Revelation 16, which is Armageddon, Harmageddon, where he comes to this place to set up his kingdom, destroy his enemies, and to welcome everyone into his kingdom who has said yes to Christ. And this midpoint of the tribulation that we see, and, and Daniel focuses on Jesus, says in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, go to Daniel, and where he says the abomination that causes desolation is set up in the temple, that's the midpoint. And understand if you're in Jerusalem you've got to get out you've got to flee to the wilderness you will not survive if you stay there this Antichrist is coming and Antichrist means two things and he fulfills them both it means against Christ and it means instead of Christ so he comes with the illusion instead of Christ and he comes against Christ in a guise and in an in a, in, in incognito way of coming in and then by the time we get to Revelation 13, he says, I am God. Worship me or die. And this litany of things where Daniel 12, 1 says and Jesus quotes Daniel 12, 1, in Matthew chapter 24, he says, from that moment, there will be a time of distress on earth, unequaled until then and never to be equaled again. There will be plagues that come on the earth where a third of the earth dies at one time. Jerusalem, which goes all the way back to Abraham where he offered his son Isaac on Mount Moriah, where the temple where Christ will reign one day, that temple in Revelation 13 is occupied by Satan. The Antichrist is Christ in Revelation 13. The dragon is God the Father in Revelation 13. And the false prophet is the Holy Spirit. So we have in Revelation 13 this false trinity of God. We have what is called a one-world government, a one-world religion, and a one-world economy. And you can, this new world order that you can, you can Google Barack Obama, for example, speaking at the United Nations as President of the United States proclaiming the new world order in which the whole world will come together, and we'll all be like-minded, and we'll all work together. That's Revelation 13. That's where the Antichrist forms one government, one economy, and one religion. And we'll hear today from the most prominent religious person in the the world promoting a one-world religion that Buddha Allah and Yahweh are the same God and that all of us are children of God. That's what the Antichrist is going to be saying. Here's a list of things that the Bible says happen at this midpoint we're going to be looking at today. Moses and Elijah are killed and resurrected, Revelation eleven seven 7-14. The 144,000 Jews are sealed so the Satan can't kill them, Revelation 14, 1 and 2. War in heaven between Michael and Satan, Revelation 12, 7 and 8. And in Revelation 12, 9, Satan is cast out of heaven for the last time. And and it says there, woe to the earth because Satan has come down to you. We see the false prophet comes on the scene at the midpoint. We'll see that in Revelation 13 today. The Jews are told to flee Jerusalem from the Old Testament all the way through Revelation 12, and they flee at the midpoint at the command of Jesus. Two-thirds of the Jews are killed on the way, according to Zechariah, chapter 13, verses 8 and 9. Michael protects the Jews in the wilderness, Daniel 12, 1. These are all things that happen at exactly the midpoint that Jesus points us to in Matthew 24, 14 through 16. The angels are sent to preach the gospel. We will see that in a couple of weeks in Revelation 14. The abomination that causes desolation is set up in the temple. This is an image of the Antichrist proclaiming to be God, going into the temple where the Shekinah glory of Christ lived in the Old Testament, saying, This is God. And Daniel says that will happen at exactly the midpoint of the tribulation. The false church is burned. For three and a half years, you can worship whatever you want. We're all the same. And Daniel In Revelation 17, the Antichrist and Satan at the midpoint says, now it's just me, and he burns this false church at the midpoint. The mark of the beast is instituted. We will see that today. The Antichrist declares himself to be God. In many places, we will see that today. The false trinity is established, Revelation 13. One world government, one world economy, one world religion. We will see all three of those in Revelation 13. And you can see the the world as we know it today racing towards these things. We will see that the promise of the great tribulation martyrs and their blessing, their beatitude given at the midpoint. Whoever dies in the Lord from now on will be blessed. Supernatural events begin at the midpoint from things that we already see today, like pestilences, like COVIDs that are prophesied in, in Luke by Jesus as we approach the tribulation and earthquakes and, and wars everywhere to things that are bigger than that. Stars falling from the sky. Earthquakes to the extent where the earth is going to shake until the mountains are level. These things begin to happen at the midpoint of the tribulation. We see the illusion of the Antichrist resurrecting from the dead. We will see that in Revelation 13 today. The devil at the midpoint pursues every Jew, we read that last week, and then every Christian on earth. The holy people will be given over to the Antichrist Seemingly, all hope is gone, and then Christ will come to earth. Let's pray before we begin. Heavenly Father, it is important to know this information that is written down long ago is going to happen. It's even more important for us to choose your Son and to share your Son with others before this happens. Help us to understand your word today as we look into it. In Jesus' name, amen. Revelation chapter 13. We see this false trinity begin to form. Verse 1, The dragon stood on the shore of the sea, and I saw a beast coming out of the sea. It had ten horns and seven heads with ten crowns on its horns. And each of them Each head had a blasphemous name. So John sees this dragon which has been cast down, Revelation 12. And in Revelation 10, we see Christ himself come down to kind of give John a respite because these things are hard for a Jew to see what is actually happening to the Jews during this time. So Christ himself comes down to John in Revelation 10 and he puts one foot on the shore and one foot on the sea showing the sovereignty of Jesus Christ. The ruler, whether you like him or accept him or not, of all things. So the dragon, when he comes on the scene, he steps on the shore saying, I am God. And then we see this beast coming out of the sea with these, these crowns and these horns. Daniel chapter 7, we will see that today, how these two chapters in the Bible come separated by 700 years but come perfectly together in our Bibles. Um, we were talking in Sunday school about how Daniel is rejected by the largest church. Largest two churches in Mendota, Illinois, say that Daniel didn't really prophesy those things. You know how we know Daniel's a prophet? Because Jesus calls him a prophet. And we know how, you know how that it's future events? Because Jesus says so. Daniel so precisely prophesies things that people say, that can't happen. That had to be written after the fact. Well, guess what? In the Dead Sea Scrolls, they found a 165-year-old copy of the book of Daniel already written down. So Daniel, for example, gave us the starting point of 483 years Artaxerxes signing a decree Nehemiah chapter 2 verses 5 through 8 and he says from that moment Daniel says which by the way is 95 years before Nehemiah he says it will be exactly 483 years until Christ rides in to Jerusalem and 483 years later to the day what we know is Palm Sunday Christ rode in on a donkey So these things are written down for us to know. We see at the beginning here that the dragon is trying to impersonate God the Father. You have there in your notes verses 5 through 10 a verse that that really fits here, so I'm going to give it to you now. In Revelation 14, 14, it's one of two accounts in the Old Testament of Satan being created as Lucifer, immediately being dissatisfied with being the most musical the most glorious and the guardian cherub the top angel he says in isaiah 14 14 there in your notes he says i will ascend above the tops of the clouds i will make myself like the most high he said that six thousand years ago and we see yet to be future revelation 13 where he is impersonating god most high he is wanting to be thought of, he will act like from this point on that he is God the Father. So um, verse two in Revelation 13, the beast I saw, the one with the ten crowns in its horns, which we see in Daniel chapter seven and verse seven. We see it in Revelation seventeen three. We see here verse two, the beast I saw resembled the leopard but had feet like those of a bear and a mouth like that of a lion. The dragon gave the beast his power and his throne and great authority. Turn in your Bibles to Daniel chapter seven. Maybe tear off a piece of paper and stick it there because we will be back and forth among other places to Daniel chapter seven about the middle of your Bible. We see Satan knows prophecy. He knows Daniel 7. He knows your Bible better than you or I know our Bible. And he is trying to orchestrate a change from what Daniel is prophesying, but he's imitating. The beast is imitating Christ throughout Revelation 13. The dragon is imitating the Father. We see that in Revelation 13, 2, that the dragon gives the beast all of his authority. That is a picture of God the Father giving Jesus Christ. Jesus' name is the name above all names. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are completely equal, completely omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. But the name, the Sovereign One, is Christ, So the Antichrist will impersonate him, the beast. And we come to Daniel chapter 7 and verse 1. This is Daniel himself's first vision of the end times or the eschatological things. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions passed through his mind. As he was lying in bed, he wrote down the substance of the dream. So when we read in Revelation chapter 13 and verse 2, the beast resembled a leopard, it had feet like those of a bear, and a mouth like that of a lion. He is borrowing those things from Daniel chapter 7. The lion is Babylon. So Babylon is the first nation in the times of the Gentiles to rule over Jerusalem. The second one, the bear, is Medo-Persia. The Persian Empire is a long-lasting empire. It's the, where the magi come from, from Persia. And then the, finally, the leopard is Greece. So we see these pictured in Daniel's vision. Verse 2 in Daniel 7. In my vision at night, I looked and there before me were the four winds of heaven churning up the great sea. Remember in Revelation 13? we saw the beast coming out of the sea. The sea is a representation of Gentile nations. Verse three, four great beasts, each different from the others, came up out of the sea. The first was like a lion. We're gonna see the same imagery. And it had the wings of an eagle. I watched until its wings were torn off. We can read that in Revelation, or excuse me, Daniel chapter four. And it was lifted from the ground so that it stood on two feet like a human being. This is a picture of Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon. And it had the mind of a human was given to it. Then, verse 5, And there before me was a second beast, which looked like a bear. It was raised up on one of its sides, and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. It was told, get up and eat your fill of flesh. This is at the end of Daniel chapter 5 and the handwriting on the wall when the Medo-Persian empire takes down the Babylonian empire. Verse 6. And these are all now much into the future from Daniel. This is the, the Greece empire taking over from the Persians. After that I looked and there before me was another beast one that looked like a leopard. We have our imagery now. And on its back it had four wings like those of a bird. The beast had four heads and it was given authority to rule. So when we see the dragon appears to give the beast his power and the beast appears to be indestructible, who is giving the beast his power? Jesus Christ. Who is giving the dragon permission to imitate his father? Jesus Christ. So the power being given, we will see that being given to Christ in Daniel chapter 7. He is orchestrating these things. And as we've been saying throughout the book of Revelation, there will be a higher percentage of people coming to Christ than ever in the history of man in the tribulation he would not allow these things he would not be sovereign over them he wouldn't orchestrate them if that were not the case he loves the people who hate him on a way at a level that we wish we could love each other he is doing all of this so that the most possible people will be in heaven one day verse 7 in daniel 7 here is that imagery of the the king and his horns and the crowns after that i looked in my vision at night and there before me was a fourth beast he is seeing revelation 13 the final empire over the jews the antichrist satan and the false prophet this beast he says is terrifying and frightening and very powerful it had large iron teeth it crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. It was different from all the former beasts, and it had 10 horns, the 10 horns we just saw in Revelation 13. Verse eight, while I was thinking about the horns, there before me was another horn, a little one, which came up among them, and three of the first horns were uprooted before it. This horn had eyes like the eyes of a human being. And, it's, and a mouth that spoke boastfully." This is the beast of Revelation 13. The beast is a kingdom, and it's also a person who is leading them. We watched the movie, I'd never seen it before, another left behind movie called The Vanishing. Um, it's a pretty good movie, and it, and it shows the beginning of the rise of this human being that we know as the Antichrist, Let's go back to Revelation chapter 13. So after the second verse you have Luke 21:24 written there in the second half of that verse. Jesus is prophesying the end of the times of the Gentiles, and he's the one that gives us that name there, that they will trample Jerusalem until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And that is the return of Christ at the end of the tribulation. Verse 3 in Revelation 13. This is where he imitates the resurrection of Jesus Christ. One of the heads of the beast seemed to have had a fatal wound but the fatal wound had been healed. The whole world was filled with wonder and followed the beast. People worshipped the dragon because he had given authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast and asked, who is like the beast? Who can wage war against it? So this seemed John uses here. I don't know exactly how this will be, but this Person who is imitating Christ will appear to have died and come back to life. This goes all the way back to Genesis chapter ten and eleven with the Tower of Babel. Nimrod was the builder of the Tower of Babel. Um, His wife's name was Semiramis, and they supposedly they seemed to have had a son named Tammuz. Tammuz apparently died and comes back to life, and they celebrated that for 40 days. It's actually the origin of Lent, and where that comes from is from Tammuz. When we get into the book of Jeremiah, and Judah is going to be punished in Babylon and taken into captivity, and in the book of Ezekiel, Christ takes Ezekiel from Babylon back to Jerusalem. He says, Do you see this? Do you see what they are doing? The the women are worshiping Tammuz in Jerusalem, the false god of the resurrection. And this is what the Antichrist is doing many, many years later in the tribulation. He is imitating the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we see in the same two verses, the father, which is the dragon here, gives the beast all of his authority, so he's... He's visually empowering this. Look at my, look at my beast. Look how he has raised from the dead. I declare you sovereign. All of this is coming from the book of Daniel. Turn back there to chapter 7 where we see what the beast is imitating. So in Daniel chapter 7, in his vision he sees exactly what John sees in Revelation 4 and Revelation 5, two chapters that fall between the rapture and the tribulation, where the Son gets the scroll from the Father with its seals that only he can open, which is the title deed to the earth. So in Daniel chapter 7, he sees that same vision, except John sees it post-rapture, so the elders are, on, are around the throne. Daniel sees empty thrones because he doesn't understand the church and the rapture he wasn't meant to. So when we look at this transfer of power, we can begin in verse nine. Daniel seven and verse nine. As I looked, thrones were set in place and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow. The hair on his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. You see that exact verse in Revelation five eleven. This is a hundred million angels surrounding the throne. The court was seated, and books were opened. Then I continued to watch because of the boastful words of the horn was speaking. We'll see those words in Revelation 13 today. I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire, Revelation 19:20. The first two residences of hell are going to be the Antichrist and the false prophet. Verse 12, the other beasts had been stripped of their authority, but were allowed to live for a period of time. In my vision at night I looked and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. This is the verse Jesus quotes to the Sanhedrin that they would put him on the cross for because he says, I'm that son of man. Reading on, he approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power, all nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. This is what the Antichrist is impersonating, that people are saying, who can go against the beast? The dragon has given him all of his authority. He is robbing from, which religion always does, and Satan always does. It robs from God to impersonate God. Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 5. All through the Bible we read passages, and we're just going to look at a little bit of them. John chapter 5, where the Jews are saying, it's Moses, we don't need you. And Jesus is explaining to them that He is sovereign over everyone, including Moses, and that it was the Father who made that decision. And we saw the picture of that in Daniel. In John chapter 5, verse 22, Jesus says, Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him, the number one divider in the world today, is they don't believe Jesus is God. He is saying here, if you don't believe that, you don't have me or the Father. Verse 24, very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Very truly I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear it will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. Listen to this verse, because it comes from Daniel 7, verse 13. And he has given him authority to judge. Why? Because he is the Son of Man. He's not the Son of Man because he's born in a manger. He is the Son of Man because god the father says all authority is yours you created the earth you died to to buy the earth back along with people made in my image you rose from the dead and those are the qualifications for the son of man and because of that all authority is given to him Turn back to, actually we'll go to Acts chapter 1. We won't read all of the passages, but they're in your notes. In Acts chapter 1, the only Gentile author in our Bible, helps us with a lot of things to understand as Gentiles. There really is, if you have have questions, there is one question to start with. Did Jesus raise from the dead? Was he completely dead in a tomb, came back completely glorified to life? There is more evidence to say that that has happened than there is anything in history. If he did, would you follow him? Would you listen to what he says? So the the secondary question to that is, where did everything come from? It came from the voice, the sword coming out of the mouth of the Son of God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That was Christ. But the resurrection is where it starts. Luke writes the book of Acts beginning this way. In my former book, Theophilus, Theophilus is a, a significantly important Greek man that Luke is proving to and he does that in Luke, and he does that in the book of Acts, that Jesus is who he says he is, that he did die, that he did raise, and he is God. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering... He presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. This is the most easily disproved fact in history. Think about where he died. Jerusalem. They're all against him. Under what power? A Roman government. They're all against him. Prove that he didn't raise from the dead. All they gotta do is come up with a body. All they gotta do is make up stories that his body was stolen. They don't even have to have the body and they can't do it. He he is seen by thousands of people. This person who was dead is walking around glorified, not a little better than he was. Lee Strobel, when you understand crucifixions, the Romans were 100% effective. When they stuck a spear in Jesus' side and the body fluids that gather in your gut, when your body is losing all of its sustenance, drain out, medical physicians will say there is nothing more needed to prove that this was a dead person. That thousands of people saw him walking around glorified, the Romans and the Jews couldn't deny. So all throughout the book of Acts, these men were giving their lives to say, I saw him, I touched him, I ate with him, he's alive, we're going to kill you if you hold to that story, he's alive, and it couldn't be denied, and that's what Satan is trying to do as we go back to Revelation 13. Verse 5. The beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies and to exercise its authority for 42 months. We've said over and over again, we've seen it in Daniel and Revelation throughout, this 1260-day, time, times and half a time, 42 months, this... Time of three and a half years that is unlike anything in history and never to be equaled again. Verse 6 It opened its mouth to blaspheme God and to slander his name and his dwelling place and those who live in heaven. It was given power to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. And it was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation doing exactly what is only for Christ in Daniel 7, 14. Verse 8, all inhabitants of the earth worship the beast. Listen to this now. All whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life. What is that book? That is a book that an omniscient God, knowing everything forward as well as everything backward perfectly, He knows from Adam to the new heaven and the new earth, every person who will say, Christ, you are my Lord. And before he creates the heavens and the earth, he writes your name in it. And your name can never come out of that. So John is explaining to us here that everyone whose name is not in that book is saying, worship the beast. Worship the beast. No one is like the beast. While Christians are being killed for their testimony as they refuse to worship. Let's go back to Daniel chapter 7. 700 years back in time, a book written 600 years before Christ walked the earth, John is writing near the end of the first century, and we see that Satan is imitating what Daniel has written. We'll pick it up in verse 15. I, Daniel, was troubled in spirit, and visions that passed through my mind disturbed me. I approached one of those standing there and asked him the meaning of all this. So he told me and gave me the interpretation of these things. The four great beasts are four kings that will rise from the earth but the holy people of the most high will receive a kingdom and will possess it forever yes forever and ever then i wanted to know the meaning of the fourth beast this is the revelation 13 beast which was different from all the others and most terrifying with its iron teeth and bronze claws the beast that crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. I also wanted to know about the ten horns on its head and about the other horn that came up before which three of them fell, the horn that looked more imposing than all the others and that had eyes and a mouth that spoke boastfully. As I watched, this horn was waging war against the holy people and defeating them. Until the Ancient of Days, it's interesting, here that name is applied to Christ. Until the Ancient of Days came and pronounced judgment, remember John 5, all judgment is to the Son, pronounced judgment in favor of the holy people of the Most High, and the time came when they possessed the kingdom. He gave me this explanation, the fourth beast is the fourth kingdom. That will appear on earth it will be different from all the other kingdoms and will devour the whole earth trampling it down and crushing it the ten horns are ten kings who will come from this kingdom and we have um, I don't want to get too far off course here but in Daniel chapter 9 he tells us that this person is going to come out of the revived Roman Empire which is the European Union today. So if you go to the European Union today and you go to Brussels or Paris, where they have their parliament buildings, they have in front of each building, you can look at it on your phone, they'll have a beast with a woman with snakes coming out of her hair standing in front of the parliament buildings. And this is the false church, Revelation 17, riding on the back of the beast. And they have inside a cross the ceiling, what they have on their stamps and their currency. Europa is a, a satanic goddess who, I believe, marries Zeus in one of the legends, and that's where Europe comes from. But in 1953, the, the Roman Empire was revived in a treaty, you can look this up, that was signed in Rome to be a ten-kingdom kingdom. kingdom. So there are more than 28 countries now connected to it, but there are 10 kings that formed this alliance in 1953. So all through Europe, um, you have these markers um, of things that are in the Bible that point to the end, and Daniel is writing about this kingdom many, many years earlier, over 2,600 years before today. So, reading on verse 24, the ten horns are ten kings who will come from this kingdom. After them, another king will arise, and this is the one that will rise up after that ten king kingdom, 1953. There's going to be an individual different from the earlier ones. He will subdue three kings. He will speak against the Most High and oppress His holy people and try to change the set times and the laws. The holy people will be delivered into his hand for a time, times, and half a time. Two and a half years, 1260 days, and Satan knows this. So he comes, Daniel seven twenty five, and he's trying to alter the calendar. He's trying to change the course of events. He tried to kill Jesus at his birth. He tried to kill him at Gethsemane. He thought he had killed him at the cross. He rises from the dead. He's trying to alter history as he comes to earth. Verse 26, but the court will sit and his power will be taken away and completely destroyed forever. Then the sovereignty, power, and greatness of all the kingdoms under heaven will be handed over to the holy people of the Most High. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, and all rulers will worship and obey Him. Psalm 2, Psalm 72, Psalm 110, verse 28. This is the end of the matter. I, Daniel, was deeply troubled by my thoughts, and my face turned pale, but I kept the matter to myself. See, what is fascinating to us is horrifying to Daniel. What is going to happen to his people between Daniel's day and the return of Christ makes Daniel ill when he is allowed to see it. Turn to Daniel 11. Daniel 10 and 11 give us a history of uniquely specific to, you can lay this down to a true history book, a secular history book, and it will blow your mind as to how accurate this is. But in verse 36 of Daniel 11 is the point where he talks about this fourth kingdom and the boastful mouth. The king will do as he pleases. He will exalt and magnify himself above every god and will say unheard of things against the God of gods. He will be successful until the time of wrath is completed, for what has been determined must take place. He will show no regard for the gods of his ancestors or for the one desired by women, nor will he regard any god, but will exalt himself above them all. Daniel is making clear about this individual that he is going to say at the point that we're at in Revelation 13, you worship me or you die. At this same time, come back in two weeks in Revelation 14, the angels from heaven will be covering the planet saying, if you worship him, if you take his number, the smoke of your torment will rise forever and ever. There will be nobody that accidentally follows the beast, and there will be nobody that accidentally follows Christ. Um, Look, turn in your Bibles to 2 Thessalonians. The only prophet in the Bible that brings old and new perfectly together is the only one who prophesies about the church in the Bible, and his name is Paul. Paul. So Paul goes to Thessalonica on his second missionary journey and he leaves there and months after he's been there people are coming in saying we're from Paul too and the rapture has already happened and it's the day of the Lord and you missed it and and Paul is writing letters in response to this that are of great help to us. Notice when I read you these verses how Paul gives us the order of events but he also says... If you're sitting there thinking today, man, I've never heard any of this stuff. My mind's about ready to fall out of my head. Paul will tell us in this chapter that the first time he met people, he taught this. The very first time. So you're ready to hear this. But he says in chapter 2 and verse 1, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, the rapture, we ask you, brothers and sisters, not to be easily unsettled or alarmed by the teaching allegedly from us, whether a prophecy or by word of mouth or by letter, asserting that the day of the Lord, the tribulation, has already come. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion, the apostasia, or the falling away, which is the rapture, occurs, And the man of lawlessness, that's the Antichrist, is revealed. The man doomed to destruction. There are two people doomed to destruction in the Bible. The Antichrist and Judas Iscariot. Verse 4. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. That's what we're reading in Revelation 13 as we go back there, is that everything that you see happening in the world today, there is a movement to have one economy. Bill Clinton was behind it. Barack Obama was behind it. George Bush Sr. was behind it. They talked more about a one-world government than an American government. Barack Obama was part of a team that was forming the world into ten kingdoms. Not coincidentally. But religion today, ecumenism, what does that word mean? Well, you believe that, and I believe this, and they believe this, and we're all Christians. That's called Christendom in Matthew chapter 13. Meaning that we're all. You're going to see a video by the most prominent religious voice saying, we're all Christians, everybody's a Christian, we're all going to heaven. And that's what the Antichrist is going to say to the point where he says, I am God. In Revelation thirteen seven. reading on, it was given power that the beast to wage war against God's holy people, we just read that in Daniel 7.25, and to conquer them, and it was given th- authority over every tribe, people, and language, and nation, all the inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been found written in the Lamb's book of life, the Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. First Peter 1 Peter 1.20 says that before he created, Christ was chosen to die because he was going to give you and I free will, and that meant sin that we could never pay for. So he was chosen before the creation of the world. Verse 9, whoever has ears, to, whoever has ears let them hear. If anyone is to go into captivity, into captivity they will go. If anyone is to be killed with the sword, with the sword they will be killed. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of God's people. Then I saw a second beast coming out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, but it spoke like a dragon. It exercised all the authority of the first beast. This person in Revelation 16:13 and Revelation 19:20 is called the false prophet. I believe that it's entirely possible that This person is walking the earth. I won't say publicly who I think it is. Verse 12. It exercised all authority of the first beast on its behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. Who did that? Who who made that happen in the true trinity? The Holy Spirit did. So now we have the complete false trinity, the dragon standing on the shore, the beast who seemed to have a fatal womb and yet he raised back to life. Now we have an individual who is pointing to the beast and and is supporting him. So Jesus, when he is speaking to his disciples right before he goes back to earth, in Luke chapter um, 24 verse 46, he says, this is what is written. The the Messiah will suffer and raise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all the nations. You are my witnesses of this. And then he says, I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So Luke carries that right into Acts Stay in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit empowers you to be his witness. The role of the Holy Spirit, John 14, 15, and 16, is to say, look at Christ, look at Christ, look at Christ. This false prophet is going to say, look at the beast, look at the beast, look at the beast. So reading on verse 13, And it performed great signs, Remember when the apostles first started walking around, there was so much anointing on Paul that if you took his handkerchief, according to the book of Acts, and you laid it on a sick person, they would be healed. So we're going to see imitations of that. Um, Verse 13, it performed great signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven, imitating Elijah earlier in Revelation 11. In... From heaven to the earth, in full view of the people, because of the signs it was given power to perform on behalf of the first beast, it deceived the inhabitants of the earth. It ordered them to set up an image, this is Daniel 9.27, in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. The second beast was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast. Who is the one that breathes life into us when we follow Christ? The Holy Spirit. So that the image could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. It also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads, so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark which is the name of the beast and the number of its name. This calls for, patience, this calls for wisdom. Let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast for its number is the number of a man. That number is six, six, six. So we see all of this, we see the world, We see the preparation for this kingdom in, if you go to the United Nations building in New York City in the United States of America, there's a wall bigger than that wall where they have, um, in 1948, they have these huge letters that, in your notes there under verse 7, we have Isaiah 2 and verse 4. That verse says, He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes For many peoples, if you have an ink pen, draw a line right there. Because that's the part of the verse that's not on there. In other words, it is saying that Christ is going to come back and he's going to judge the nations and then this is what's going to happen. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation nor will they train for war anymore. So they have that without the part about Christ on the United Nations building saying that we'll do this, we'll accomplish this. What the Bible says is that Christ is going to have to come back to earth and he will accomplish this. There are so many things. You see in your notes there, verse 7, you see this one world government where it says, It was given power to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them, and it was given authority over who? Everyone. One world government. That's what this new world order that the world is working on today. In verse 8, you see one world religion. You see all the inhabitants of the earth worship the first beast. One world religion. And then you see one world economy at the end of this chapter. When you pick it up in verse 18, this calls for wisdom. Let the person who has insight calculate the number of of the beast, for it is the number of a man. That number is 666. And we read in verse 17 there that if you don't have this mark, you don't eat. You don't have gasoline. You don't have anything. You cannot purchase without this number So this mark, like I said, it won't be a surprise. It will be people that have said, okay, I've heard from Christ, I've heard from you. And the same thing will happen that happens today. Here's what happens in the world today. So he created everything. He rose from the dead after he died for my sins. If I follow him, I have an eternal life. right now I want to live for me so no thanks that's what's going to happen to the people who get the mark they're going to hear from Christ they're going to hear from the beast they're going to say I see what happens right now to people who follow Christ so I'll follow the beast so they will all have a clear choice to be made when this new world order is put into place Um, i'm going to share some things that this isn't the center of my sermon these are not things to write down Um, our country has an interesting history there is a lot of christ following that started this country and there is a lot of that you can trace back to the beginning Um, Of the Tower of Babel if you take the back of a dollar bill the American dollar bill the number for um, the Illuminati and the number for Freemasons like Benjamin Franklin is 13 and on the back of a dollar bill if you look closely Thirteen, by the way, in the Illuminati is a, a symbol for power, and it is to be in hidden messages. And if it stays hidden, it has more power. So if you look at the eagle on there, there's 13 arrows in its left talon. And there are 13 stars. There are 13 olive branches. There are 13 olives on those olive branches. There are 13 steps on the pyramid that you see to the left. And by the way, the pyramid has an eye. At the top of it which is a symbol for illuminati and the eagle has his head turned so that there is only one eye there are um, 13 steps up the pyramid as i said there are 13 bars on the shield 13 stars under the scales on the front of the dollar bill there is statements on there one of them is novus ordo seclorum which is new world order um, another statement on the dollar bill says, e pluribus unum, where you hear that at? Does anybody remember that? Wizard of Oz, right? Um, e pluribus bu- unum, I always say it wrong, is out of many, one. Tower of Babel. Out of many nations, one government, one religion, one economy. So if you go to these parliament buildings in the european union they actually have statues of pictures of the tower of babel mocking what god did at the tower of babel and it says out of many one um, so like i said this is not a sermon i'm being preached it's just interesting um it says anuit copitus on there which is he favors our undertakings Anuitus copus is 13 letters A pluribus unum is 13 letters. Um, It is just things that are interesting. Um, When you look at the history and you look at what's going on in the United States and the last several presidents have wanted to form a world government, Um, there is, on the front of a dollar, there is a key, a scale, a compass, and a square that are all symbols for Freemasons. There is... um, When you look at the eye of the pyramid, if the eye is the top of a pentagram, and if you take the letters and the bottom, it forms a perfect perfect pentagram, which is the symbol for the Illuminati's power. I'm not preaching from that. Something that I will point out that is the most important of all of these is that There's going to be a one-world government, and there's a huge movement for ecumenism, for the reason, for example, Paul tells us in Galatians, the reason they hated Paul, do you know they hated Paul more than they hated Jesus? The reason they hated Paul is because he would never say, you believe what you want to believe, and I'll believe what I want to believe. Paul was hated because he said there's only one way. There's only one God, and there's only one way to God, and they hated him for it. You're going to see a video now if somebody wants to get the lights.